Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best-selling author. So please grab your coffee, and if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. This week, we have something a little different. Not my normal guest, not my normal topic, um, if there is anything that is normal about what we do here. (laughs) I, um, well, first of all, it's been a bizarre week. So Mark and I just got back from doing a 4,500 mile, something like that, uh, round trip through many states. We um, visited some family members who were not, who are not doing as well as we would like and um, did uh, some, spent some time with Caroline and got to see some friends, um, went to Graceland. That was a trip, let me tell you. And just kind of traveled around with the dog and enjoyed a little downtime, although I feel like we're always working. And at the same time, going through, just going through a lot of change right now, we are in the midst of trying to sell our house and downsize and I am ready to do it, but I've got a lot of mixed, mixed feelings. I mean, this is the house my kids grew up in. This is the house that Elizabeth passed in. It's a, it's, it's just connected to me. Um, So many memories here. But it is time. It's time to do this. Um, And I'm just, I'm struggling a bit. So I am going to probably talk about that for the next couple of sessions that we have, next couple of episodes. And we will see how this, how this goes. Um, I have several friends who've already done that big move from the house that they raised their kids in. And many Many experienced a lot of trauma and drama like I did. Um, so it's a mixed bag. So I'm going to be looking to you for advice and counsel in how to move forward in a positive way to the next phase or the next steps in my life. So this week, um, we have a really, oh my gosh, so interesting episode. Um, It's with Sherry Foos, who's a marriage and family therapist. She's an adjunct professor and creator of the narrative method, which comes from her study of narrative medicine. She is 
a sought after expert on the subject of relationships, remote group dynamics, and meaningful connection, which is so important to me and to our community. And she's been on quite a few podcasts. She's had a wide range of online and print publications in HuffPost and Thrive Global and Shondaland and so many others, um, a lot to mention here. I got together with her to chat about the narrative method and narrative medicine, which has been um, so interesting. I'd never heard of it before. And I wanted to find out more. And so much of what I do on this podcast is my my attempt at becoming more informed and things that I find interesting, I hope that you will too. Uh, she co-founded The Bridge in 1999, a free humanities program for low-income adults at Antioch University in Los Angeles. And... Um, She's got an MS in narrative medicine from Columbia University and an MA in clinical psychology from Antioch. So the narrative method, it's part of what's known as the human connection movement. And it creates programs and experiences that address the growing isolation and the need for real connection through sharing our stories. Does this sound familiar to you? (laughs) It should because that's what we've been talking about on this podcast, the connection that we get with sharing our stories. So I hope you love this episode as much as I did. And uh, certainly check out the show notes and feel free to connect with Sherry for anything of interest to you in this topic. Thank you so much. And here we go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the Special Needs Survival Podcast. Today, we're doing something a little different. I am so intrigued by my guest today, Sherry Foos, who is here to talk about something that I cannot believe I've never heard of. It's narrative medicine and the narrative method. And really, it's about just, I don't want to say just, it's its a, its a different style of communication. And I want to talk about how this relates to um, becoming more mindful in our disability community. So there is no way I'm going to do this justice myself. I am going to jump right into it with you. Sherry, can you please tell us a little bit about your background and then how you got involved in this area of medicine, mindfulness, and what the narrative method is all about? All right. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here and hi to everybody out there. Um, I... uh, I became a therapist and had been in private practice for a long time, still am. But um, 12 years ago, um, I went back to school and studied a field called narrative medicine at at Columbia University, which was started by a physician at the uh, hospital there who then studied literature and decided that that would be an incredible way to teach empathy to doctors through reading literature and identifying with characters. 
So a whole awareness that everyone with different needs <laughs> knows very well about, and so does everyone who came before them. But suddenly there became a level of awareness and conscientiousness about how we treat patients, um, how we respect patients, who has the right to speak for a patient, who has the right to tell anybody's story. And so based on social justice, philosophy, sociology, literature, and the impact of um, a lot of different areas coming together in real time as they impact medicine. So little things, little big things like having a scribe in the room so that your doctor can make eye contact with you. Because when your doctor makes eye contact with you, you get better. Or how about the doctor spending one extra minute if they can? And we can't blame doctors for the way they're being squeezed by insurance. It's, yeah. it's terrible all the way around, honestly. But, yeah. but be that as it may, if you've ever had a doctor who made you feel like they cared about you as a person, we know when somebody cares. We know when we're connecting. It's a wonderful feeling. It's being invited into belonging into their humanity. And when your doctor gets to know your story, not only do they put together things they might not have otherwise about your health, but both of you are bonding. And as human beings, we are dependent on stories to bond. Without bonding, we can't have satisfying lives. We Mm. need to cooperate in zillions of ways in addition to creating meaningful relationships with others. So we are hardwired, but when we are not getting enough bonding, as anyone can attest to over the last couple of years, it doesn't go so well. You know, aside from, you know, being sick or passing away or all of the awful, terrible, being hungry. I mean, the horrible fallout of this, that even the most fortunate people were still isolated. And nobody can now deny the importance of having connections with other people. It doesn't mean that, you know, we have to, um, you know, open up in ways that we're not ready to. But it is a way of, of realizing I have a need in order to fulfill my human destiny. And one of my needs is to know myself. That's number one. Who am I? What is my voice? Separate from everything that's happened to me. And now I'm talking about the narrative method. So let me just bridge this. Sure. sure. So after studying narrative medicine, I took my lifelong passion for the power of groups because one-on-one, even if someone loves you or it's a wonderful therapist, you still have this, it's an intimate experience, but you feel like, wow, this person gets me. That's huge. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking to a group and you feel like they're all with you as though it were an ideal family where you're just not being judged. Um, then you get better. Then, sure. you, then you feel like, you know what, I belong to the world. And one thing, especially people with special differences, 
may not always realize is that everybody suffers their flaws. Everybody, even influencers or whoever we think just have a charmed existence. Nobody can be confident in this culture that we live in because we're always being impacted by this constant negativity that comes at us from media, social media and all that stuff. Right. So it's this last piece, the part about the cult of culture, that is what the narrative method is founded upon. So the cult of culture gives us two choices. We can either cope with it or be broken. And I don't think anybody truly is broken. I think we can think we are, and we need to reframe where we are in our lives when we're feeling that way. Wow. Goosebumps. So I want to just pick this apart a little bit so we can talk about it one by one, because there's a lot of big concepts there. And I have to admit that it's um, framing things in a way that I honestly haven't really thought about, but there's things there that we've talked about on this podcast and in our disability community for a long time. So first and foremost, telling our stories is so important. Uh, Many people, and I know this is not across the board, but many people in the disability community, whether it's a person with a disability themselves or a caregiver, we don't feel seen. Of course. And we don't feel heard. And by sharing our stories with the outside world, we are expanding people's knowledge of what it's like to live with a disability and to live within the systems that really confine us. So that's first and foremost. But telling our stories amongst each other, we talk about community. That really helps us build community and to feel supported and to share ideas and grow Mm -hmm. as people. Um, And sometimes we're the only ones who have each other's back, you know, as caregivers, as what we call self-advocates. And so this whole idea of telling one story is just a key concept in the disability community. And to know that we're going to get better outcomes with our doctors, well, that's kind of a no-brainer, you know. Um, And here in Massachusetts, we have a program where we do train young doctors in medical school to go out into homes and to meet young people with disabilities and their families. Fantastic. Operation House Call, it's called. um, And it's run through our our ARC, um, our state ARC. And it's great. We're always, you know, looking for funding. Um, But it's all about that idea of telling your story. And I'd love to ask you about um, the the outcomes. Do you have any, um, what's the methodology for, you know, checking in on those improved outcomes? Can you talk to me a little bit about yes. that? Well, uh, some years ago, maybe five years ago, um, Cal State Northridge did research on us. 
And this was based on a couple of different populations, including veterans um, and, and folks who were either unhoused or in other, um, you know, challenging situations. Um, and because it's all self-reporting, mm. um, I mean, the, the self-reporting of the impact was so high. I almost hate to say it because it, it sounds exaggerated, but suffice it to say that if you come to one of our events and you resonate with it, because there's nothing that's right for everybody, right. but people are usually surprised that by cutting through small talk and creating a safe environment where people really are invited to be themselves and are explained the, these core rules about what mutual respect and confidentiality looks like in this environment. And part of it is you have to turn on your camera because you can't expect someone to tell a personal story to someone they've never seen. That's just right. so. Um, whereas we do obviously uh, respect people not wanting to be seen at certain times for this purpose, we really have to, you know, demand that, but we don't have a lot of rules. What we do is we have a lot of space and we encourage people not to talk about things that they don't feel ready to talk about. Um, But what happens is that we look at a piece of a short video or a big idea, or maybe it's a painting or a photograph or some inspiration. And then based on which of the core concepts we're looking at this week, um, I'll give them a prompt to build upon. So now they've had a real time experience with each other, seeing this particular thing. Mm-hmm. And if it's a talking group, then they go into breakouts and share stories that this prompt evokes. And if it's a writing group, they go away and write. I mean, they don't go away, but they write. And then, so it, it's a, we have a couple of different formats. But people so, connect. And that's how you're using stories for healing and for um, the connection within the group as well. Um, how are you finding the uh, the medical teams? Uh, no, I don't. I don't work in the medical community. What I do is has nothing to do with narrative medicine. I studied narrative medicine, and it inspired me. Uh, there are there are different modalities actually with the word narrative. There's also narrative therapy, which is a psychological modality, uh, and that's really interesting too. But that's a third. Ah, uh, I see. So yes, I'm still wrapping my mind around all of these concepts, and so, um, you know, as a disability attorney. People are sharing their stories with me every day. And um, would you say that this is in some form what is going on with, it's not quite narrative medicine and it's not quite your narrative method, but am I on track in some way um, to doing things similarly to, to how you are doing them in your narrative method? as we are taking people's stories 
I mean, we do a really deep dive with people um, rather than being transactional. And we, we really learn about every person's journey so that we can more fully support them. Well, I would say, yes, of course, we're in the same universe with this. I mean, you're doing it with, with a different end goal. Um, which is amazing. You're saying, I'm going to help your life. Um, and I'm going to do it by immersing myself in your humanity, you know, who you really are mm-hmm. uh, through seeing you and, and experiencing you in your story. Uh, I can empathize and use that as power to advocate. How could we improve on connecting with other people? And I guess to piggyback on that, maybe I should ask you first, how did you come about to create this narrative method? You know, how did that evolve from your original studies in narrative medicine to how you're doing things today, which is having such a huge impact? Well, um, I think it really starts in my 20s and 30s when I was a a writer and a performer. And I had a couple of partners and we would do late night, edgy underground salons that were so cool. So in this wonderful living room ambiance, people would come, they could even come by themselves because they were going to connect with people, which was very rare. And we would have um, in a living room ambiance food and appetizers and bursts of um, up and coming artists, whether it was musicians or dancers or poets or what, whatever that was. Yeah. And I loved that format because of the power of people coming together um, when they're disarmed by something else going on. So I continued doing that in one way or another my whole life. And then after, um, you know, I was already a therapist and I had done many groups and I loved groups. And then after thinking about how I could use stories to do something that was not uh, therapy, but rather was bringing together this community kind of connection that I feel has been lost um, in this entire century so far, you know. Yeah, but even more so over the last two years, given what we've been going through and people are so disconnected right now because we're still not really seeing each other face to face that much. We've gotten used to doing things on camera as opposed to in person. What is your, um, what is your advice or how are your concepts able to bridge that gap? to be able to, you know, get connection there because it's harder this way. It's funny. I, I had always done things live and it's so intimate. It's so much about eye contact, sharing stories, but because we were live, we could do all kinds of fun things and use blindfolds, use this or that, or mm-hmm. try, try this experience. And I did not know how it was going to translate, but I started, I think, in March of the pandemic, maybe April, and it just became this community of people who had never known each other. They, Some of them were random, and now it's become more and more random, um, but bonded so much over having a place to just be real and think about interesting things 
and share stories that came to mind. And um, I think the time is now when we realize even when we're fully back uh, live and in person, it's not convenient for everybody to do that. Um, and so the options it affords us, I think, is worth it. And there is one way in which I think the communication is better, which is that we stare at each other more this way. Yeah. And, you know, if you're in a group, you can completely stare at somebody without making them self-conscious. But it allows us to really look and read and see body language and, you know, get another depth that we don't usually get live. Now, of course, live, we have all of our senses and all of that stuff. But I, I think there's a value here, too. That's really interesting. I never thought about it that way. I see the other side of it where people can be very distracted and they tend to find times when they're looking away, they'll find something else to pay attention to, their phone attracts them, their email attracts them. Being on your computer brings you to some other thing occasionally. I I find that personally, but I also, I suffer from ADD, so I have that tendency anyway, very impulsive and very hard to focus. So mm-hmm. I find it difficult. Um, but I, that's such a fascinating approach. And, um, and I'm sure that empirically over the last almost two years, you've got the evidence to prove that it's working. And oh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for eight years now. And uh, in all kinds of populations, it's, it's kind of a human thing. And like I said earlier, it may not be for you or you or you, and that's fine. I mean, why should we think something should be right for everyone? Um, but I think it's it really resonates, and you're absolutely right. In the pandemic, people found something that is, it's not like being in a meeting on Zoom where you have to fidget because you're bored out of your mind because you're completely engaged. You're right. Not, you know, you're either writing something or you're talking to people and it's like, you know, sitting on a sofa talking with people who are interesting. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have to look at your phone. You yep. Back to that whole salon idea, which is so cool. I'm going to steal that. I want to do that. But I think I do want to do it in person. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've had any guests. Mm-hmm. So I'm ready to do it. I so I love this idea. And I think that, again, in our community, people are just loving the ability to tell their story and to have people who are interested mm-hmm. and listening and willing to share also about themselves, but also maybe offer some um, support, some suggestions, some thoughts, just really build community and everybody can have some real growth. From that it's it's um, again I get goosebumps just thinking about it and I've spent the last 10 years trying to build community myself in the same way so I'm so excited to meet you and talk to you about this because I feel like we're of one mind here you know the number one question that I get with all of the contact different social media contact that people ask me is 
um, Annette, how did you write your book? Because I have a memoir out about my experiences. And it's amazing to me that that is the one thing that everybody really wants to know about is how do I get my story out there? That's what everybody is curious about, you know, and it just resonates with me that um, you're, you're doing this in such a large scale way. Well, Exciting. Uh, it, it is. And, you know, as far as people wondering how to get their story out there, I would say start small. Don't give yourself an overwhelming task. Um, I just so happen to have something that will help you, which is we have a couple of decks of TNM DIY human card decks. Wow. And so what they are is they track all of the 12 core concepts with special prompts, several prompts for each one, and some wild cards. And what you can do is you can put together your own group. You can do it as a writing exercise or as a storytelling exercise, or you can do them yourself as writing prompts. And it's a really good way to start writing your story. Every prompt is written in such a way where it's open enough that every time you do it, you'll get a different answer. And it could be a like just a cool way to jumpstart writing about your story. Oh my gosh, I'm in. That's awesome. I can think of five people right now who I want to tell about that. Oh. That that leads me to my next question. I'm sorry, I'm just peppering you like crazy. <laughs> Please interrupt me if you have other things that you want to say, but and thinking about our audience, the disability community, um, and and your core concepts, what concepts do you think that our community might benefit from the most? Well, one thing that always comes to mind because it really has changed my life is what I call radical gratitude. Yeah. And radical gratitude, which I realized once when my baby was about six months old, and we were at a dining table on a second story and my arm was around her and somehow she was 90 degrees out the window. Now, <gasps> she didn't shriek. Nobody knew anything. I just went like that. It was a split second. But I thought, oh, my God. If anything had happened, wouldn't I be on the ground trying to make a deal with God? If only, why didn't I? Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to celebrate this moment. This is perhaps the luckiest day of my life. And so from then on, every time I have had a close call, almost get hit by a car, almost press send when I was angry and I, I shouldn't have said that whatever it is the yeah. silliest almost spilled the water whatever I spilled the water but nothing bad got wet whatever it is yes I just take time out to go crazy do a dance you know say, <laughs> say thanks and because it happens so frequently and part of the gratitude is is that like it wasn't worse you know yeah because you're doing it so frequently, you are telling your unconscious to be aware of this. And your unconscious registers this. It is literally 
a way to make your brain experience more joy. Oh my God, that's like rewiring yourself. It real it it is that, and it feels like that. I'm gonna say like I, I don't know how long it should take people, but I'm gonna say that for me, you know, six months changed my life. But certainly, you know, I think doing it once is it's kind of a revelation because, you know, when you write all the rough stuff you've been through, where's the list for all the rough stuff you were spared? Yeah. Is this what you mean when you, when you're talking about um, elevating your mindfulness? Well, relational mindfulness is the way we relate to others with mutual respect and by putting ourselves aside when we hear some, someone's story so that we can be present without projecting our own opinions or assumptions mm-hmm. and try and hear it from their perspective. That's what makes us feel amazing. If you get my story, I love you, Annette. Yes. I, I get that. And then I want and then I want to hear yours. Right. Now there is that mutuality of feeling seen. I don't need to know every nook and cranny. I know that we bonded over just this real moment where we shared ourselves. And that's everything. And and that's the relational mindfulness. Yeah. So and and that's how we become more mindful. Besides telling our stories, are there other ways that we can become more mindful? Definitely. Well, I like to practice awe, which sta- which awe is awe, but it also stands for awareness, wonder, and empathy. So when you hear someone's story, be aware of what they're saying verbally and non-verbally. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody's in pain, or if you start talking to someone and they seem distracted, maybe they need a break or whatever may be happening. Wonder is just not knowing. And that's very challenging, especially when we know people well. Mm-hmm. Especially when we think, I told you that a million times. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know what? If I told you a million times and you're still not responding the way I'm wishing you to, Maybe there's a reason I should know about, or maybe I'm not saying it in a way that makes you understand, you know? Oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah. So not knowing is very good. And then uh, the E is empathy, to try and listen with empathy rather than judgment. And so many of us think we are empathetic, but it's something that we really could all get better at. Of course. And we can't, the, the bottom line too is don't beat yourself up for whatever imperfections you're dealing with. Incremental growth, and here comes another of the 12 core concepts, the concept of a rocket ship speeding into space at a zillion miles an hour. If it were to change its trajectory by one degree, it would end up somewhere else entirely. Yeah, that's just um, full. So it's mind-blowing, but it also tracks back to um, a lot of things that, again, as a parent, as a caregiver, you you think about that a lot. Like one little change, one one chromosome change, one thing that might have changed in the delivery room for your child, one just one little thing, and the whole course of your child's life and your life might be very different, radically different. 
So we can sometimes make ourselves a little crazy with this idea about how something could be very different. Sometimes good, different, sometimes well, not I'm so good. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's not the, it's actually the intent is when you're in a rut, this is more about when you're feeling overwhelmed or depressed or anxious or like, you know what, I've been here before. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever changed. And, you know, when you're depressed, that seems to be the truth that nothing ever, ever changes. You know, we're yeah. so good at remembering when we're really happy that things could go bad, but mm-hmm. the opposite is not as natural. But the idea of the rocket ship is that when you're bummed out, to remember, I don't have to change everything to get on a better path. We just have to change one thing. And what's what's already done is done. This is not about perseverating about the past. Right. This is about getting strength for the future. That there are opportunities that we can't see unless we expand our perspective. So how does our audience find you and start getting on this path if it sings to them of using the narrative method? Because I know I want to try it. Um, I certainly have this need to be seen, be heard, tell my story, obviously, or I wouldn't have written a book about it. And I have so much more to say. Um, so how, how does our audience find you? And are there other people like you out there? If this, you know, if they're not able to join your group, there's only one of you. So I'm imagining that there's more demand than there is a possibility there. Well, at, at the moment, we offer at least five a week. Um, and there will be other people starting other groups as as we expand. Um, if you go to the website, thenarrativemethod.org, um, you can learn all about the 12 core concepts. You can go to the events page and sign up for any event. We're also starting a 12-week course called 12 Weeks, 12 Concepts, um, which uses deck one to take you through each of the concepts in depth as well as the mentality of how to lead a group. And by the end of those 12 weeks, you can run your own groups. Now, you can certainly buy the cards and do that anyway. So it's not something that you have to do, but this takes you into a much deeper dive into what's behind it and why. Um, So that's another thing. and so is that like a train the trainer situation? It's, more it's like- not quite train the trainer. Um, it's more, uh, I mean, it's a, it's more about here's an in-depth look at what the narrative method is built upon. And here is a, cause it's called DIY human, do it yourself human. So it's, it's a training per se that everyone can do at any level. That sounds uh, fascinating. Yeah. And you know what? Because before there were therapists and social workers, there were friends. Right. People, you know, people really are good at this stuff because they're people. Back so, on the prairie, people would get together in their little cottages right. and, you know, play music and sing songs and tell stories about their days, their weeks, whatever. And, you know, 
do oral history and well and especially if you can't get out too easily what a way to truly get out and connect with a lot of people in a very meaningful satisfying way yeah. I'm thinking what a gift this would be for our elderly population to yeah. involve them in being able to tell their stories Absolutely. and pass on all of their stories as well as feeling like they're seen. So many of our elderly are just moved on into places where we don't have to look at them anymore. And so that, um, this is a way to maybe bring them back into community that um, it just leads me to a whole nother bunch of thoughts. I don't have enough time to talk about all the things I want to talk about. I was going to say, you are so creative. I could see. I am so term. sorry that I am going to have to, you know, close this interview at some point. Um, but I really wanted to just ask if, as we close out this interview, if you could think about one or two um really, you know, kind of thoughtful pieces of advice to leave us with. I know we've got 12 core concepts, but if you could boil us down to, especially for the parents and caregivers on the, on the podcast that listen, what would you tell them? What would you say to them? Well, especially for caregivers, I would say it is imperative that you share your story. And that means your story of today when you were frustrated. If it's only journaling and nobody ever sees it, but you've got to get it out of your body because whether it comes out in a rush of tears or aggravation or whatever format, you can't be carrying that around and taking care of um, one or more other people. It's, it's not fair to you, but you also can't be optimal. So when you can, here's, okay, here, I'm going to leave you with the last concept I'll introduce today. This one's called Wonderland, and it's a way to rejuvenate yourself. You can do it in five minutes or all night long. Rather than getting in your sleeping position, lay on your back with your arms and legs completely supported so that you're totally comfortable and you're just a floating head. And from there, you can either do a meditation that you like to do or let your mind flow into an imaginary fantasy of anything. And then you can follow it. You can direct it. It's like going to the movies for free and you're very, very comfortable. Give yourself five minutes at least twice a day so that you can exhale. It's not because, you know, you're not a super person doing everything you're doing, but you need to take care of yourself. That is awesome. I love it. I am a strong proponent of that self-care, and I love the concept. Wonderland. Mm. That's, that's really great. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. This has been fantastic. I hope that everybody goes and checks you out. Um, we will have all of Sherry's great contact information and her social media connections in our show notes. And as always, I hope that you will all connect with us. Let us know what you think of this podcast. Let us know if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts. 
if this strikes a chord with you and you would like us to continue talking, we can make that happen. So thank you so much, Sherry. Um, I am talking with you, uh, hopefully, about getting you onto our circle of care. And maybe we can continue this conversation. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.